the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and we got a lot to cover. We've got some great interviews. I want to encourage you, by the way, to go back and listen to that Dean Reuter interview. I listened to it again earlier today uh, on um, The Hidden Nazi, a book. What a book. What an interesting man, inter- interesting interview. Check that out. We will also talk in a few moments with to our old friend David Horowitz. David Horowitz, he's got a new book, I Can't Breathe. Uh, and uh, it is, uh, of course, as usual with him, really good and really interesting. And so we will talk uh, with him. The uh, book that um, is just out October 5th, I Can't Breathe, How a Racial Hoax is Killing America. All right, but first, let's talk about the news that should be written. It won't be because they'll go on to other stuff. But on Tuesday, all day, there was testimony before the United States Senate uh, and it was Milley, General Milley, and it was also um, Secretary Austin, who's a retired uh, general who's now the Secretary of Defense. Now, the, the first detail is this. Both men uh, conceded, admitted that they gave repeated instructions to um, uh, President Biden and, and not only instructions. They gave him advice. They gave him their uh, thoughts on what should happen in Afghanistan. And they said, uh, we should leave some people there. Now, here's why this matters. I actually think this is important for you to get, to understand as we say this. Um, Joe Biden did multiple interviews where he said, nobody gave me the advice to keep people there. Uh, nobody told me that was an option. And so either he's lying or forgot. Either way, I'm going to surprise you. I don't mind because the president has to be in charge, not the military guys. And even though Secretary of, of Defense Austin is now considered a civilian, he's actually a retired army guy who served at the highest levels of uh, one of the uh, defense contracting boards and all. So it's not exactly, he's, he's a military guy. He comes out of the military side of the defense industry. So you have two generals, Milley and Austin, giving Biden advice about stay, stay, staying in um, uh, it's stay, staying in Afghanistan and needing 2,500 troops to do it. And Biden says he didn't didn't hear. No one gave him that advice. Let me tell you my thoughts. My thoughts are, if you're a swamp creature, you say whatever you want. And actually, you count on the fact that your underlings will back you up. And so it doesn't matter. He just didn't want to uh, have to answer the questions. He just wanted to... He didn't want to have to tell the truth. He just lied about it. And I, again, I... I don't mind it in the sense that all politicians lie. And I think Joe Biden is a total swab politician, so he's lying all the time. And he expects other people to cover for him. But also, I don't mind that the generals were overruled. I think that's a good thing. And so, you know, was it was there lots of advice? Sure. But there was probably lots of advice to, tr- to Trump, too. And there was reports that Trump um, ordered the withdrawal by January 21st, so it would be done on his watch. And, and then that was withdrawn because he was told it's just not practical. So I'm sure there's lots of advice. At a certain point, the commander in chief has to be the one that decides. And I think that's fine. And, and the fact that Joe Biden either forgot or didn't know or lied, I, it doesn't really matter to me. 
I don't care that much. I mean, I care more that how incompetent it was. And I do care more that sometimes people will tell you, do it my way. And when you say, no, I'm doing it my way, they um, kind of, uh, the, they kind of, um, um, they kind of uh, uh, slow walk it and do it poorly. That's a thing, right? In bureaucracies, someone says, well, this is the way we should do it. And, uh, and they say, well, we don't want to um, do it that way. And then they, they do it there. They, when you say, no, I'm doing it this way anyway, they slow walk it and mess it up. That's certainly what it looked like. Those two, um, the Secretary of Defense, Austin and General Milley, were basically saying it was a mess, but we told them to do it a different way. So don't blame us. Now, that part of it, if I was Joe Biden, I'd be mad. I'd be mad. But, I, you know, again, I, I, Joe Biden should be in charge. He was. All right. Now, but here, let's get to the next part of this, which is really stunning to me. The next part of this is the simple fact that, can you believe it? Secretary Austin was asked, are there people, how many American citizens are still left behind in Afghanistan? And he told them less than 100 people, American citizens, are still behind in Afghanistan who want to get out. In other words, we have a hundred or less, some number just under a hundred hostages, because if they want to get out, why can't they get out? What is it about the Taliban that says that they can hold our American citizens? And why isn't Joe Biden saying, release them now? I mean, again, it's not like there's not a million, not a million, it's too many. It's not like there's 50 or a hundred. There are 50 or a hundred civilian aircraft that would fly in and get them right now. There's special forces, retired guys that have been wanting to do that, done some of, some of it. But think about that. Secretary Austin, the defense secretary, sits there and says to the U.S. Senate in a public briefing, there are somewhere less than 100 American citizens still sitting in Afghanistan who want to get out. What you need to know is that couldn't be a weaker moment in American life, American leadership, to have to admit in a setting as if it's like, well, I don't know, you know, the, we got new carpet over at the Pentagon and we got a couple more new aircraft and we're going to promote some people. And we had 87 retirements and we've got a, a graduating class at West Point or whatever. Oh, and yeah, we got 100 uh, or so American citizens who want to get out of Afghanistan and can't get out. How crazy is that for us to concede? And it's not like it was yesterday. It's now four weeks ago. Whatever we needed to do for the Taliban to say, hey, guys, let our people free, shouldn't we have done by now? Shouldn't that have already happened by now? I mean, I don't I can't believe that with a straight face again, like it's, oh, yeah, we got this. We got that. What time is it? Oh, it's about one o'clock. Oh, it's about two, two o'clock. What? Hey, Secretary Austin, we're going to take a break in a few minutes. OK, good. Oh, by the way, how many citizens are still left behind in Afghanistan? Oh, we've got about 100 that want to get out that aren't being allowed to get out that are being held hostage? Really? Isn't that a bigger deal? Isn't that a bigger deal than people are sort of letting on or saying? It sure feels like it to me. It sure feels like it to me. And I have to tell you, I don't, I cannot believe that we're not going to see more coverage of that right there, of that, what's, of of what's happening there. That should be the number one story. Now it may make it on some of the, uh, may make it on some of the, um, on some of the conservative talk stations, it may be, maybe, uh, it may be, you know, they may cover it, but I, I don't, I kind of doubt it. I kind of doubt it. I think we, I think we're seeing people ignoring the media, ignoring anything that's detrimental, 
And that is as bad as it gets. And what you need to know is the idea that we're having, we're, we're in a place where that's acceptable is just stunning. It's stunning. And there were lots of other aspects of the testimony that, you know, were, I don't know, it would, it, um, it was, um, uh, you know, kind of, uh, choppy. And I thought it was, you know, the, the Democrats had canned questions that were just going to basically, uh, make, try to make their guy look good. And then the Republicans had some, put him on the spot. Um, the, um, Missouri Senator Holly had some good questions. Uh, there was some follow- uh, sec- sec- Senator Inhofe had a few good questions. Um, you know, there were a few uh, uh, different ones, but nothing that was groundbreaking there otherwise. All right. Uh, we'll take a break, everybody. We come back. We've got a lot more. And uh, we'll talk with David Horowitz, the great David Horowitz, about his newest book, which is out in a few days and a lot more. So uh, hang in there. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily email, What You Need to Know. And get yourself signed up there and uh, and also check out these great interviews we're doing. It's good stuff. All right. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Couldn't be more timely to check in with our old friend Todd Benzman down on the border. He, of course, is the Senior National Security Fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies. Go to CIS.org and go to follow through on his staff to Todd Benzman. You'll see his writings there. He's got a couple of recent pieces uh, getting a lot of attention. But, um, Todd, before I get to that, uh, a lot of coverage, not a lot, a little bit of coverage of the Democrats fighting amongst themselves, blaming each other uh, over Haiti and all the Haitians that came. But tell me this, Todd, who sent the Haitians? I mean, they didn't all just come now because, I don't know, there was an earthquake last month. I think the last time we talked, you were telling me they were coming because they see an opportunity, right? Well, sure. Uh, the border was opened wide by the Biden administration in early February, meaning they were uh, allowed to cross and be rewarded by legalization. So, you know, these people send selfies home and they talk to each other on Telegram and WhatsApp and everything else and say the border's open, come on. Uh, so they they all began to immigrate and kind of come take advantage. So uh, the particulars of the Del Rio encampment were unique. There were some unique aspects to it, which is that to say that the Mexican government had them bottled up down there with bureaucratic um, molasses, making them file for documents and that sort of thing and slow rolling it. And then on September 12th, the Mexican government suddenly said, never mind, you can all just go forward. In fact, we'll give you a three-day grace period to empty out your thousands out of southern Mexico or El Grito, which is the Mexican Independence uh, Week of Celebrations. Uh, Apparently, there were so many of them down there that, uh, you know, nobody wanted to have a bunch of celebrations with 50,000 migrants bottled up down there. So they said everybody get clear, and they went straight to Del Rio because Del Rio is cheap to cross. There's no cartels charging thousands of dollars ahead in the Del Rio area which they all know. And that's kind of how that, that's kind of how that shook out that particular one. But Haitians had been coming for months and months all over the border by the thousands and being let in. And when this thing is closed up, actually it is closed up. uh, They'll continue to come through by their thousands and thousands. 
Uh, we're talking with uh, Todd Bensman again. If you go to cis.org, you can see all of his stuff, his writings and videos and, and reports. Um, uh, okay, Todd, tell us what's happening now. What What is uh, what I saw, um, you know, the Del Rio coverage of that. I mean, it, it seemed to be going to a crescendo, like more and more out of control. Is that where we are? I mean, the 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 the, um, the debacle of the of the horses, um, the horseback riding ice agents who were supposedly whipping people, which was a total lie, um, has played out. And I guess I don't know. I mean, did it affect what they wanted to make it look terrible? And then nobody knows. Nobody sees a retraction. But where are we at the border right now? What's happening? Okay, the camp as we saw it, is liquidated now. As of Friday, the last migrants were bussed out, and today the bulldozers are in there scraping it all clean like nothing ever happened. Uh, Most of those uh, 15,000 are being paroled into the country just like they are everywhere else along the border, legalized and uh, put on the honor system, you know, report. Uh, into immigration in whatever city you end up in. Uh, Some number of them were deported back to Haiti, which is a really interesting story. It's probably the most interesting development about uh, that camp, which we can talk about if you want. And uh, there's about about 5,000 who are missing. Uh, They're not really missing. I can explain that. That's connected to the repatriation flights. But the bottom line is that the camp is over, but the crisis rages like never before. They're still just coming over somewhere else outside of the camera lens. Well, tell tell me why that. Tell me what the, you just said. The most surprising thing that occurred out of this. I mean, I, I think what it, what occurred was that the Biden administration actually did something more like Trump, I guess, and the left is objecting. But anyway, tell me what you're referring to. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they do. Here, here's the bottom line: is that the, the broader crisis all along the border that it's just been raging white hot for months and months and months, 200,000 a month, a million and a half altogether since Biden was elected. Uh, nobody cared about that. That was just sort of not a media story, uh, even though it was historic in its dimensions. But a 15,000 migrant camp where they were all pooled up together and building thatched huts and and that sort of thing on the Del Rio side, that was a story that the, uh, couldn't be ignored. And the Biden administration had to, at all costs, get rid of that tanker sore because it, the political optics were just terrible. It was already pulsing terribly on that issue. And they, there's an election coming up here not too long. They couldn't let this thing just drag on and on and on. So they had to resort to Donald Trump policies of repatriating immigrants to their home country of Haiti. Uh, when they started doing so far, they've, they've uh, probably uh, repatriated uh, about 2,500 of them, actually sent them on ICE air flights to Haiti because they understood that when word of that got around, that the Haitians who were in the camp would flee. And anybody hmm. who was coming oh. toward the camp Anybody who's coming toward the camp would stop immediately and turn around and go somewhere else or just wait until until the repatriation scare was over. Uh, I know this because I went to the Mexican side of the camp and interviewed them in the bus stations as they were buying tickets to leave. 
and they told me hmm. why they were doing why they were doing that. They were leaving because of the thought, even the possibility, even the small chance of being repatriated all the way to Haiti was so abhorrent that they just decided to leave and, and stay in Mexico. And what they told me, and there were probably, a, I saw about another 1,500 of them flee to camp for a park right across the river in Acuna, Mexico. And I spent two days interviewing them, and every one of them was saying, yeah, man, we had to leave because we didn't want to risk deportation. We knew that we were getting all these text messages from our friends and neighbors in Port-au-Prince at the tarmac. And so we're not taking a chance. We're just going to head over here. But the other thing that they told me, which I've reported at CIS.org, is we're just going to wait until this repatriation thing goes away, and then we're just going to come back. We're going to come over at a quieter time when nobody cares. So they, those 5,000 that are missing, I believe, are those people who, who fled the camp. Uh, and But we'll would, see them all again at some point. We're talking with uh, Todd Benzman. As he mentioned, uh, he's, he, he's with the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org uh, is the website, and he is the uh, na- Senior National Security Fellow and his, his recent book, America's Covert Border War, uh, available wherever you buy books. All right, Todd, where is it heading? Again, you're, you're experienced enough in reporting this that you've watched the ebb and flow. You've seen, even within administration, sort of what's happening. And now we've got uh, enough attention on the border between the Haitians under the bridge and then the uh, the imaginary whip uh, from the horseback uh, ice. You know, we've just, just enough uh, coverage of the national media. They couldn't resist those two. Um, but you've seen this. Where's it heading? Is it is it I mean, what what do you expect coming next? I read somewhere there's another caravan coming up from somewhere. I imagine anybody who's got a chance to caravan is coming if they think they can get through. Uh, but where do you see this heading? Well, I can tell you where it's actually heading and I can tell you where I think it should head. <laughs> uh, okay. Where it's actually heading is that the. Uh, Media is departing, and uh, there is going to be a feeling that the crisis is over. Uh, The 15,000 are disseminated around the country, and they're bulldozing, and it's over, so we're going home. Uh, And the mass migration crisis, the broader one, will continue as it was before with tens of 50,000 people a week crossing that border and most of them being paroled right into the country just like they were before. So I think that's going to happen. What should happen, and I also think that the next time there's a buildup in Mexico, southern Mexico, of migrants, because the Biden administration made the Mexicans start doing that again, blocking them at their southern border, uh, that the very next time that they feel like it, they'll just cut loose a whole nother big group all at once and let them cross over the border and you know move that hot potato to the Americans. What should happen is that the Biden administration has it within its power right now to end the entire mass migration crisis by maintaining the repatriation flight threat, expanding it uh-huh. border-wide, and applying it to all other nationalities. Any of you could be deported. You could, there's a chance you could end up back in your home countries. I don't believe right. that's going to happen. 
The other thing is that the Mexican government disrespected Biden terribly. They had a deal to keep those migrants down there to slow roll them. And the Mexican mm-hmm. government just stabbed Biden flat square in the back on this thing hmm. and created this huge problem. So there's a problem with the Mexico-U.S. relationship. They don't respect this government at all. They blew this hmm. government off and created a massive problem for them. And that's because the Biden administration is going the carrots route. We're going to give you some money if you do our bidding uh, they never would have done this to Donald Trump because Donald Trump would have destroyed their economy with sheriffs. <laughs> so right. if the Biden administration were to recalibrate its relationship with Mexico to a tougher, more stick space approach, as opposed to the carrots approach, uh, they could also use that in conjunction with the repatriation flight to totally end this mass migration crisis. But I don't think that's going to happen either because the media won't even report what Mexico did. I'm the only one who's reported what Mexico did to Biden. It is amazing. Uh, well, listen, I unfortunately I have to run. Uh, Todd Benzman, CIS.org. He's the best guy to cover. Watch this on social media and on his website. Uh, thank you, Todd. Be careful, and we'll have you back again very soon. Thank you very much. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been a little bit of a while. We haven't even catch up with David Horowitz, the great David Horowitz Freedom Center, which is an extraordinary place. And then also frontpagemag.com. And, of course, he is a best-selling author of numerous books. You can pick one, but there's a couple uh, that come to mind. Right now, the one, The Enemy Within, How a Totalitarian Movement is Destroying America. That's his one of his most recent. But in just a few days, I Can't Breathe, How a Racial Hoax is Killing America is launched. That book is out. So welcome, David. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. I survived watching, I don't know what it was, three hours of this CYA hearing with these yeah. American traders in, in military uniforms. It's yeah, it was really is a piece of work. He sure I, is. Yeah, I, mean, I, I thought the Republicans did... Well, Marshall Blackburn really, you know, burned him. Um, This guy, let me let me tell you one of the things that didn't come up at the hearing, Um, and and it's in a book that's written that'll could be out in May. But in one of the books, he asked him about all these books, the Woodward book. There are several books, Washington Post books. When they interviewed right. Millie. Yep. Okay, in January 2nd, 2021, so Trump had lost the election or had, had it stolen from him. Um, the head of Iran, Rouhani, his terrorist state, issued a death threat against Trump. He said he will not only be removed from office, but from life for killing, it was the anniversary of the killing of General Soleimani, who was the worst terrorist, the most influential terrorist, if you can use a phrase like that, mm-hmm. in the world. Trump took a down, and the Democrats all criticized Trump, and it was inappropriate. Right. 
Excuse right. me for laughing. Um, okay, so it was the anniversary, and they, they're they deciding on revenge to kill the American president. So, of course, there were meetings in the, in the White House and elsewhere in the Capitol um, of the national security people and how to deal with this threat. And as described by these Washington Post authors, uh, there was a meeting that really addressed. And what he told the meeting, and this is all national security advisors, was that Trump was Adolf Hitler and his supporters were Nazis. And these are the words he said, the people we fought in World War II. That's the problem. If you want, in a nutshell, people you know, talk in nice terms about the divisions in America and what's divisive. This is the problem. The Democrat Party wants the one-party state, and they want to destroy the credibility, the humanity of anybody who disagrees with them. And that's, you know, Pelosi is carrying that on with her January 6th commission. But yeah, we're... Uh, yeah, but David, I, I we're, survived this. Yeah, we're talking with David Horowitz, and again, his his book, which just in a few days, I can't breathe. How a racial hoax is killing America. It's from Regnery Books. Um, David, this book to me, and I haven't read it. It's just coming out. I'll read it. I'll have you back on again. But I've read the summaries, and then I've read some of the some of the uh, excerpts. But it seems to me this is really one of the maybe the central problem that, as you say, the hoax, the hoax that America is racist. And therefore, it's it's been very effective at pitting us yeah. against each other, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, let me, it's, give, you a, let me give you a fact that, that I haven't seen reported anywhere except, except where I, it appeared, I guess, one day, uh, and I, I got it. Um, uh, what's his name? Ellison. Uh, 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 Congressman Ellison, guys, a key Ellison uh, uh, from uh, Ellison, Minnesota. Right. Now he's the attorney general. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a racist himself. He's very anti. He was a spokesman for Louis Farrakhan for 11 years. He's an Antifa supporter. And he's the chief prosecutor in Minnesota. So he right. was the chief prosecutor on the case. He's the one who put in the second-degree murder charges and everything for Chosen, the cop. And he was on 60 Minutes after the Chauvin trial, which was right. a farce. You had the President of the United States saying he was praying for a guilty verdict. Can you imagine that? So much for due process. And the 60 Minutes interviewer asked Ellison, there was a racial element to the killing of George Floyd. And Ellison said, we couldn't find one. Guess wow. That? All the riots wow. are all based on this idea that there's a race war. What did LeBron James say? You know, they just kill us. We can't even walk outside. They kill us. Right. All the hope. <laughs> all the lies. Right. And I show him my book. I go over all the cases um, that Black Lives Matter used. Uh, you know, the Michael Brown case, uh, Leona Taylor case, and so forth. And I show in each one, if you look at the facts, 
that it, that Black Lives Matter is just telling a bold-faced lie that they know is a lie. It's just terrible, and and that has torn up our cities, divided our politics, um, and and it's an indictment not only, of course, of white people alive today, but it's an indictment of the American founding. That's the real. Um, driving Goal. force behind it is yeah. to kill everybody's faith in America so they can establish their communist state. And the leaders of Black Lives Matter, of course, are pro-Castro communists to all of them. Right. So, right. We're talking, we're talking about David Horowitz. Wake up quickly. Uh, we're talking with David Horowitz. His new book is coming out just in a matter of days. Um, David is... um. Is the uh, are Americans buying it? I guess when I say that, what I mean is, do you no, think I that think I, I I, I'm in a better position than almost anybody to assess this because when I, I came over into the right about 40 years ago, and right. I look, I looked around and I see you know here's the left has got all these organizations they have for the war that harass people into. Um, buying their line and their, and their line is always that, you know, it's a racist country, that's white supremacist and so forth. Um, and then I see all these conservatives and referring to them as liberals, <laughs> excuse me for laughing, liberals. Right. They're not liberal about anything. They're, they're vindictive bigots. Um, and that's, I can say now that Obama was the first one to wake people up. But people are now talking like me. You know, I felt very isolated. I felt like Cassandra. I, I had this truth to tell and nobody was listening. Um, but I think all that has changed. And I think Americans understand their country is at stake. And they can see through the baloney. And of course, there's a lot of white people who are stupid and guilt I don't even know why they should be guilt-ridden. I mean, black Americans have more rights, more privilege, more power than blacks in any country in the world, including all the black countries of Africa and the Caribbean. This is, this right. is why I think in the last 50 years, we've had 2 million immigrants from Africa and the Caribbean. Of course they want to come here. That's, that's where black people have the most freedom they can have in the, in the world. And, right. you know, all of our children, are their idols of black basketball and football, <laughs> baseball players. Right, right, and, uh, and right. So, forth. so I right. Which can, I, uh, can see that, and, and they, you know, the, the best thing is, People could become racist watching Black Lives Matter in action. They're now there are so many blacks who are coming out. They're very courageous people. Herschel Walker and Burgess Owens and Byron Donald. And you can go on and on with them. So I think the country is really, it will come through this and it will be so much healthier. 
Well, you uh, we're talking we're, we're, again. We're talking with David Horowitz, and let me plug the book one more time. I got one more question, though. The book is "I Can't Breathe: How a Racial Hoax Is Killing America." David Horowitz, best-selling author, and it's a uh, Regnery Books. Um, but David is um, is uh, are, are the Democrats going to pay politically, uh, or are they going to cheat again, or what is your feeling on what we're going to see oh, coming up? Look, in- look, look, you can tell the Democrats are cheating all the time because because of the cover-ups. There's no fraud. Well, everybody knows there's some fraud, and it looks like there's a lot of fraud. Um, right. But this, you can look. The measure is very simple. If, when the Democrats stop these lies about voter ID, their attacks on voter ID as voter suppression. Those are racist attacks. What they're right. saying is that black people are too stupid to follow the same rules that white people do. It's, it's so insulting to black people. And it has only one rationale. It's to make cheating easier. As right. blowing up the... And, you know, give me another reason for blowing up the southern border in the midst of a global pandemic. There is no other right. reason except that they, they, they want votes. Right, right. You know, uh, it's terrible. So all right, you know, David, Republicans David. have got to, you know, get off their guffs and make sure that the Democrats can't steal elections. Yeah. And, uh, all right, I got I got to run. Uh, David Horowitz, as okay. always, I thank you. I can't breathe. How a racial hoax is killing America. David Horowitz, the best-selling author, uh, available at Regnery Books. Uh, we'll take a break and be right back, everybody. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, Ed Martin. Even though President Trump is no longer in office, he continues to wield power through hundreds of judges he appointed to the federal bench, as evidenced by two remarkable decisions that were issued in the favor of liberty on a single day. Cruise ships will embark again and the striking down of the CDC's eviction moratorium was affirmed. In both of these decisions, the CDC received its comeuppance by panels that included Trump-appointed judges. The CDC lacks authority to command cruise ships or landlords, the courts held. In the cruise ship case, two Democrat-appointed judges on the 11th Circuit had blocked the splendid district court ruling that ended the CDC's anchoring of the ships. The CDC had shut down the cruise ship industry, injuring Florida's economy in addition to infringing on Americans' rights to enjoy their vacations. After a 2-to-1 11th Circuit panel reinstated the CDC restrictions on cruise ships, Florida filed a petition with the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn the 11th Circuit. Within hours of filing that petition, the judges who sided with the CDC reversed themselves and ruled in favor of freedom to a cruise vacation. Anthony Fauci and his ilk at the CDC have no expertise in captaining cruise ships. Actually, it's unclear what exactly they do have expertise in. Yet our land of liberty and freedom has been taken over by a few petty tyrants who've exploited the COVID pandemic to infringe on our constitutional rights. Courts have allowed this power grab by the CDC, but cracks continue to emerge in the walls of this tyranny. A panel of three judges on the Sixth Circuit issued a unanimous ruling stopping a CDC-imposed moratorium against the eviction of tenants. For months, the CDC had blocked landlords from exercising their constitutional rights over their own private property. 
Despite this ruling, the CDC continued its unconstitutional mandate while waiting for a ruling from the Supreme Court. The bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. have enjoyed unlimited power for a year as they address the COVID pandemic, and yet they have only made things worse. It's time to give liberty a chance to succeed, as it always has. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You'll be glad to know the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly continues, upheld by Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Chairman Helen Marie Taylor, Treasurer John Schlafly, a full staff in St. Louis in our nation's capital, and thousands of citizen volunteers, her eagles, across the country. You can be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's wrap things up. Just got a quick segment and talk a little bit about judges, okay? A little bit about judges. Um, You know... There was a story that came out recently about one of the judges in the uh, January 6th cases, and he lectured a um, defendant who he was sentencing. He was yelling at the the, uh, defendant in a video hearing. The guy was pleading guilty to some lesser charge, but he was being yelled at by the judge. And the interesting thing about the yelling is the judge went on to say how he liked to travel overseas and give lectures to people about America and about the American judicial system. And now this, the behavior on January 6th was going to make it really hard for people to feel good about what he's lecturing about. Can you believe that? I mean, first of all, when you read the comments by the guy, the judge, he seems a bit over the top. He's lecturing a guy who's pleading guilty to, I think, misdemeanor trespass or something. And maybe he did something dramatically wrong and is pleading to something lesser. I don't know. But he's getting yelped at and, and uh, he's getting uh, kind of uh, condescended to by this judge, which is one thing. But then he's also, um, again, he's saying, hey, this is, um, uh, you know, it's really going to make it hard for me to go overseas and uh, be able to be really a big shot in overseas stuff. Okay, okay. Well, here's another story, and we'll get more into this. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that over 100 and, I guess, 130, maybe 131, somewhere over 100 uh, federal judges actually um, sat on the bench overseeing cases with uh, defendants or with with, uh, parties who, um, in which the judges or their family held stock interest. In other words, they had a financial interest in the the parties before them. And the Wall Street Journal did a lengthy uh, analysis and found this out. Over 130, I think it's 131 judges. That's crazy. You wonder why the American people look up and say, is this system rigged? Is the system sufficient? Our rule of law, our Constitution, the people we have, is supposed to not only be above corruption, but appear to be above corruption, too. So not a good couple of stories for the judges. All right, got to run. Thank you again, Chris, filling in for Noah Dingley as producer of the program and Joanna for booking our guests. We'll be back tomorrow, everybody. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back tomorrow. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.